Good morning, everybody. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your great gift of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Father, that Jesus paid the debt that we could not pay. And Lord, today, as we look at your words in Scripture, we pray, Father, that we'll learn some more about what a life should be like when we're trusting in Jesus. I pray, Father, you'll speak the words, you'll touch our hearts and help us to grow in you as we worship you. Thank you so much for your great love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you. Be seated. Got to announce my mom and daddy are here, so back there, and uh, I know a lot of y'all probably can't believe that someone as old as me still had parents, but you know, they, they're wonderful folks. Uh, my daddy turned 90 years old back in December, and, and uh, he still outworks me all the time, so it's, it's great to be around. Uh, we're going to be looking at a chapter in the book of Romans chapter 8 and uh, I was blessed to have a number of commentaries to look at this past week or two and and uh, one common theme kept coming out was that Romans 8 is looked upon by many as maybe the greatest chapter in the Bible you know it's like if you had only one chapter you could take with you scribble on a piece of paper and carry it with you you'd be in good shape with Romans 8. And it's, uh, and so we're going to look at that this morning. And um, it's one of the things that points out how good it is, is the very first verse that we'll look at talks about there being no condemnation in Jesus, Christ Jesus. And at the end of the book, at the end of the chapter, excuse me, it says, we can be sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the verses in between verses 1 and 2 and 38 and 39 are so full of helps uh, to to flesh out all that about being in Jesus, no condemnation, depending on the Holy Spirit, that I was, you know, if it would not hold up any of you here, with, I thought maybe we could just go through the whole chapter. Um, we should be through by what, two o'clock, three, no. no. No, we'll stick with the first two verses today. And let's uh, read that together, if we would. And uh, first of all, let me also tell you, some of you that may have a King James Version or the New King James, it will have an additional uh, statement in there that, at the end of verse 1, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. But that's not in most of the other translations, so we're not going to say that. We're going to just see this one. Let's read. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
And we're going to look at three questions about those two verses this morning. The first question we'll look at is, am I condemned? Am I condemned? The next one will be, am I in Jesus? And the last one, can the Holy Spirit help me? Maybe these are dumb questions for some of you, but I think it kind of gets to the heart of these verses. So the first one is, am I condemned? So there is therefore no new, you know, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And it's, it's emphasis there. Everything I read about just these first few words said, boy, this is very important. Do not miss this. Therefore, now there is no condemnation. What is condemnation? Condemnation for what? What should we feel condemned about? We got saved. And I know for me, it was walking down the aisle and, and the preacher had me turn to the side and, and uh, had everybody praising the Lord and clapping. And, and uh, even before I was baptized, they were saying, you know, do we, do we welcome into our church family? And oh, yes, and amen. And, um, but I didn't realize at that time there's a whole lot more to it than that. And uh, I've spent most of the last, oh, almost 50 years uh, trying to get a better handle on what that really means to be saved and in God's family. But uh, it, em it emphasizes there is no condemnation for sin. And I was thinking about this morning of it. Recently, well, last Sunday we had a video, and we're blessed to have some of the people here this morning that were interviewed in the video. And I was thinking about how we had a team of people go to interview these people, and we tried to come up with names of people who were just perfect members, you know, perfect, no condemnation, you know. But we wound up with these five or six people, you know, so it, it didn't turn out too bad, but, you know, we have to do with what we've got. And uh, I think a lot of times we look at condemnation two different ways. I think we're really good, I say good, we're really good sometimes at condemning other people. You know, oh, you see what oh, Susie did yesterday and, you know, and and, uh, and I heard that Ken is going to do, you know, and we're good at condemning other people. Uh, I've confessed, you know, I've done it before a few times on the highway, you know. <laughs> yeah, I love other drivers, but, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes we condemn people. But this morning, what we're really looking at is not talking about the condemnation of other people. I think sometimes we get trapped into that situation where we condemn ourselves. And I, it's one of those things that I think has been bothering me for a really long time. Maybe, maybe it's just an issue I have. 
but I just, I just, I have struggled with it at times myself, condemning myself because I know that God has such a high standard and I'm not there. I am not there. I keep falling on my face. I keep failing. Several years ago, I, I actually came to the church office and uh, Pastor Justin uh, C. was here. And I, I didn't know if I should talk to him or not, but I, just, I went in there and I just told him, man, I'm just really struggling. And, you know, I feel bad that I'm not doing as good as I should. And I, I feel like I'm failing God. And you know, it was, it was interesting. It, it, it wasn't like we sat down and he talked to me for three hours, you know. He basically just told me. He says that just the sign that you feel convicted about something basically shows you're not condemned. And there's a big difference there. And I think a lot of times we get those words mixed up. You know, am I condemned or am I being feeling convicted? You can be convicted about something because, man, I should have helped Tom. He was going to help some of those people that, that were stuck at home. And, and, but I just, I just didn't feel like it that day. And I had been working too much lately with the church, so I thought I'd take some time off, you know. And, well, we can get convicted about that. Or we can have somebody that calls with a real need, and we have all the resources to help them. But we've given a lot lately, you know, and so we kind of brush them off. Or we give them another name. I bet so-and-so could help you. Sometimes we do things that if we're in Christ, which it says later, that we'll look at it in a minute. If you're in Christ, you don't want to be convicted. You don't want to feel like, Lord, I've let you down again, I know. Because, you know, that's, that's a, I know it's a bad feeling, but let me ask you this, would you rather be feeling convicted or condemned? I'm not real positive on the definition of that, but I think sometimes condemned seems to last longer, like forever, you know? And so being convicted is in a way a good thing because that means you still care. And a lot of times we're only convicted when we find that we're not caring enough, and that hurts. So, John 3, verses 16 through 18, I'll read the first part of eight, verse 18, too. Uh, we're all familiar with the first part. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So, if Jesus wasn't coming here to condemn us, he was coming here to save us. 
you know, there's some questions that uh, I've thought of. Said one of them is, how do we know we have issues in our life in the first place? I think that's a big question you should come up with. If something is really bothering you, you just, oh, you know, I feel so bad about this. Why? Is it because you're just so goody two-shoes and this is not like you? So, you know, Jesus works in our hearts. The Holy Spirit works in us to help see, us, see those things. If we're not trusting in Jesus, if we're not trusting in the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, I don't think we'll know that we should be feel condemned. And I, think, I feel like that's a, a big challenge with trying to reach the lost people around us because they don't feel condemnation. They don't know any different. The world is the world. The sin is sin. And it's only when you know God, when you trust in Jesus Christ, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that you start to realize that there are laws, there are rules out there God has given us to guide us in our life. And we just don't always pay attention to them. And that's when it hurts. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 32 says, Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So God may be working on your heart. He may be saying there's some area of your, your life that you need to get straightened up with. Maybe you need to go and forgive somebody. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness from somebody else. Maybe you need to go and serve somebody in love, not serve them to get paid or to get something back in return. Question to here, I said, have you ever felt the sting or the dull ache that seems to appear out of nowhere after you've done something wrong? As some was pointed out to me, like I said in that conversation, you know, sometimes when we're off track with God, his Holy Spirit works in us to help see that. And I'm grateful that it does. And again, like I said, if you're not feeling convicted, then you've got a real problem. If we are not saved, there is only condemnation. Mark 16, verse 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, with condemnation, there is no hope. John 3, I had read the first part of 18 earlier, you know, and it sounded good. You know, it was like... Uh, that whoever believes in him is not condemned. The last part of verse 18 says, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So if we're going to feel, well, maybe I'm being not condemned, I'm just kind of being convicted, part of that process is realizing, are you in Jesus? Am I in Jesus? I've got two short little examples to show you here, or tell you. One of them is that I am into golf, and I love to watch golf. 
I, when I was young, I used to try to play it a few times, and <clears throat> I had a set of clubs I think I got for $5 in a garage sale, and I went out on the course a few times, played with a friend of mine, and I thought, you know, this is, this is fun. I would like to do this. But the years went by, and I, I figured that I don't really have time for that, and uh, I don't, I don't want to dedicate all that it would take to really get good at it. But you know what? I love to watch it on TV, and I am into that golf, I, especially on a Sunday afternoon. You know, you work, come here in the Sunday morning, you teach Sunday school class, you get everything organized and work with the people getting ready for the worship, and then you go through the worship service, you tell everybody hi, then you maybe have a lunch with somebody and visit with some people, and we get to the house about 2, 2.30, and I'm like, oh. and I can just plop down in the recliner and turn the golf tournament on. And you know, I can, I can lay back and I can watch that golf. And you know, I may doze off, but you know, you wake up, they're on the same course. There's still guys <laughs> swinging and clubs. And, and so it's like, I haven't missed that much. This is all right, you know? And you can always go to YouTube and get highlights if you need, you know? But I, I am into golf. Debbie and I are blessed also with four grandkids, a 14-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old, and 8-year-old, and they've all got special talents. But I'll tell you about one of them, uh, the 10-year-old, Lucy. She is into gymnastics. And Lucy is one of those that you could tell when she was like two or three years old, you, you walk into the house and see her, and she was hanging upside down off of furniture, you know, or she was doing flips, you know, and doing somersaults, and and it just kept growing and growing in her. And I'm, she's only 10 years old right now, but I mean, I, Debbie and I can remember over the years, you know, uh, I've gone into our living room at home, and she'd be hanging upside down off a couch reading a school book, you know. That's how she did her homework, you know. And I was like, oh. Uh, <clears throat> and we'd be over at their house, and they have one of those gymnastic bars in the middle of the living room there, because she's always practicing on it, you know. And like one day I saw her, and we were talking, the adults were talking, and the 10-year-old walks in one door, and she decides to do a cartwheel or two on the floor. Then she gets up on the bar, does a few flips and jumps and everything, and then she keeps walking and goes into her bedroom. You know, no attention. It's just something about it. That's just what she does. And we've been out in the back, backyard before. And she's just walking along, going to go do something else and decide to do a, a dance floor routine. You know, and she's doing all these jumps and flips and uh, upside downs and splits. And, and then she goes on. And she practices during the school year anywhere from three to four times a week on average. And during the summer, you know, when they're off, she practices five days a week. And usually it's about three to four hours of practice every time they get together. And you, you think, this is a 10-year-old? It drive you crazy. But Lucy is into gymnastics. So I have a question for you. Which word are you like when it comes to Jesus? Are you in to Jesus? You know, 
Or do you wake up in the morning and the first thing you think is, I need to talk to Jesus. I need to, you know, I need to, I wonder what Jesus wants me to do today. Do you spend time in daily Bible study and prayer? And do you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with some joy and wisdom and courage and love to handle the situations you're in? Do you have so much joy from being loved by God that you just have to go and share with somebody? You know, you just got it. It's just bubbling up inside of you. Or are you in Christ like the way I'm in golf? I do it on Sunday afternoons. Maybe you do being in Jesus on Sunday mornings. And then you've got your Jesus in for the week. I think when we talk about being condemned and not condemned, if we are really in Jesus with our hearts, minds, and souls, if we're into Jesus, I don't think we'll ever really feel condemned. We may feel conviction sometimes, and you know, when we sin, when we mess up, there are consequences for sin also. But it's, 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 a, it's a different thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. There's a, an old song, uh, uh, one verse I just want to read to you. Uh, I can't sing it hardly, but it's, it's actually a little bit older than I am. It's uh, by Charles Wesley from 1738, and it's, And Can It Be? No, condemn, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. And it says there, Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. So it's all about being in him. Now the third question, uh, especially if we're struggling for answers, is can the Holy Spirit help me? For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And I think it's important for us to understand here that when we're looking at the law of the spirit and the law of the sin and death, I think it's safe to say that there's a little bit of difference between these laws here than the Mosaic law, you know, like the Ten Commandments and those things, you know, that those are laws. But these here tend to be more like principles or ways of living, you know, and the principles are, are the the ways of the spirit of life guide us a certain way and tell us what is right to do. And the law of sin and death tells us just the opposite. 
So that's, that's something that we have to struggle with. 1 John 4, verse 13 says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. The Holy Spirit provides us with a whole new way of living, a whole new way of seeing the world around us, a whole new way of dealing even with our own failures. That's through the Holy Spirit. It says here, has set you free in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, we're released from the condemnation related to the sin and darkness and death. God, you know, he sent his son Jesus. He sent him to live with us, which he did. He lived on this earth. He sent him to love us, to show us what real love is all about. He sacrificed himself for us. And then he rose again to give us hope. But then when he left, remember how the disciples were so upset because Jesus told them he was going to be leaving. But he said, if I don't leave you, then you don't get this comforter, this Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad that him seeing the big picture, Jesus did that. He, he rose again and he went to be with the Father so that we could have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Romans 8 verse 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we're adopted. We're loved. We're greatly loved. One of the things that I want to mention right quick, and this is, we're starting to get close to the end here, but for this morning, Romans 8, verse 1 and 2, follow Romans chapter 7. I think it should, at least in your Bible. But Romans 1 through 7 talked about the lack of hope that we had, that we were sinful. We had our faults. We had our issues. And then in, verse, in chapter uh, 8, it turned that around and said, but in Christ Jesus we have hope. And I want to just read the last four verses in Romans 7 as an example. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind <clears throat> and making me captive to the law of sin. <clears throat> law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? <clears throat> Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So it just says there that, that we want to keep God's rules. We want to do good. We want to please our Father. 
We just can't do it on our own. And that's where that Holy Spirit comes in. <clears throat> have a, a comment here from Daniel Doriani uh, in the Reformed Expository Commentary on Romans. <clears throat> While Romans 7 constantly emphasized law, sin, and inability, it mentions the Spirit just once. All of Romans 7 just mentions the Spirit once. But in Romans 8, <clears throat> law and sin become rare, supplanted by the work of the Spirit. Those who are in Christ have transferred from the realm ruled by sin, guilt, and condemnation into God's realm where mercy, righteousness, and freedom reign. By the way, I looked up in Romans 8. <clears throat> Romans 7 had the Spirit mentioned once. In Romans 8, it was over 20 times. A little bit of difference. One last example I want to give you. I talked about my grandkid and about my golfing. My bad back. Back in at 1984, I threw my back out. About a week or two after I had started a new job with the Belton School District. And so I wound up in traction in King's Daughter's Hospital. And I tell you how long ago that was. <laughs> it was a, when it still was the hospital there. I was in there for nine days in traction in a hospital bed. For the next few years after that, I, I went downhill. Just semi get, I would get to where I could walk a little bit, and then I couldn't. And then I tried to do stretches, and it hurt. And, and about 1988, around Christmas time, <clears throat> maybe it was 89, I think. Debbie might could tell me better. But I, I thought I was maybe going to have to be in a wheelchair. And... God urged us, Debbie and me both, to try this chiropractor guy down in Rockdale, which my mom and dad lived in Rockdale. And it was about a 45-minute drive or more from our house down there. But I started going down there. And Debbie would have to drive me. And I can remember a lot of trips we made with me laying in the back of the car just trying to keep my legs propped up and not hurt too bad. And, you know, it was like the, the world turned around for me. It was like I started being able to walk a little bit. I started being able to do more things. And it was just like, it's like I was saved from this old body to this new body. And, uh, and it, it was a real blessing. I would like to say, it's kind of like, but I, I look at that and I think about salvation. Salvation, we're lost. But then we're found. You know, and it's so different. But you know what? Uh, my back got fixed. And here I am, gosh, what is this, about 35 years or so later, no, 30-something years later, it still hurts sometimes. And I think that what we need to remember that it's kind of like that with our salvation. Sin was really messing us up, and we got saved from that. But there are going to be times when it still hurts. It still hurts. As long as we live in the world where we face with temptations, struggles, and at times even failure, but we can still trust in God's promise of a glorious future with him and Jesus Christ forever. So, in closing, 
I just want us to really think about this, that, you know, if you're saved, then you came to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Praise the Lord for that. You're in Jesus. But are you in Jesus? Are you like little Lucy who doesn't even think about it? She's, it's not like, oh, my grandparents are here. Oma and Opa are here, so I'm going to do a few flips to impress them. or anything. She just does it as part of her nature. And I think if, if we feel condemned at times about our sin, I don't think it's because necessarily you're so much worse than other people around you. Maybe you just need to get more in Jesus. And uh, that would be my hope for you all. Love you guys. and Let's uh, close in prayer, and then we'll be going into our Lord's Supper. Dear Father, we thank you so much that you love us so greatly, Lord, that you sent Jesus Christ to, to live for us, to love us, to show us how to love and show us how to live, to die for us, for our sins, and to rise again to give us hope, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we will, in our own hearts, really search ourselves and, and really pray about this, Lord. Uh, are we truly, truly in Jesus? Are we trusting in him with all our lives? Help us to really be firm in that, Lord. And I know we can't be perfect. I know we'll have convictions about sins in our lives, Lord. But Lord, help us to understand that that is still part of being human, of being a sinner. But when we trust in you, we will be saved. And we are saved. And so I pray, Father, that knowing that, we will be willing to serve you, to love others, and to be in you and in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. As we transition into communion, um, we're going to start.